What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, what's happening? I'm in the closet studio and I'm ready to talk about an actual game. Actual football. Actual Miami Dolphins football. Pretty exciting. Pretty, Pretty exciting stuff, even though we were not excited at all about it last week. On the show last well, week, that, we were... you know, that's the thing that happens, and, and it ha- and you can't say it didn't happen to you. You're excited. You watch the game. You see the starters for like one or two series, and then you kind of, you know, maybe you tune in a little bit for the backups in like the second quarter, and then by the second half of the game, it's like, all right, what the hell am I watching? Right at but that point, it's like, what else do I have to got, do? You still got a quarter or so of actual football, yeah. which is more than we've had since. Last season. It was good. December or January. It was good. We got a little bit of actual football. We got to see Ryan Tannehill play some football for the first time in like 600-something days or something like that. So That that was two years. Yeah, so that was kind of nice to see uh, little Ryan Tannehill out there on the field for the Dolphins. We got Channeling your your inner John Gruden on that? Yeah. Well, you know, he wasn't – listen, it was a very – Solid, very Tannehill performance from Tannehill. wasn't wasn't anything special, wasn't anything great. Didn't knock the doors off. But then again, that wasn't what you wanted. You just wanted to see him go out there and perform and not (laughs) end up in a ball on the floor. That's what you wanted. You just wanted him to to go out there and and operate and and give you everything that he's got for one drive and then walk off the field healthy. And that's exactly what happened. He gave you a very Miami Dolphins offensive drive where they moved the ball down the field, then the drive stalled, and he walked off the field healthy. It was perfect. It was as same old Dolphins as it gets. And then they <laughs> missed a field goal. It was – it was. This was, I mean, listen, it's a preseason game. You can't read a whole lot into it, right? You don't want to you don't want to like get carried away and jump to conclusions and say that this is who this team is and and this is what they are. It was just hilarious watching the game and taking out, you know, just looking at it purely from the narrative of the of the game itself. Not talking about training camp, not talking about player position battles, not talking about anything of that. Talking strictly about the narrative of a of a single football game. It was hilariously same old Dolphins. The offense. Oh yeah, from the start offense, to finish. For, it, it was it was sputtering and starting and moving and stalling and playing from behind the entire game, only to take the lead with two minutes to go only to give up a field goal at the very end of the game to lose. It was it was very same old dolphins, but it was preseason, so it doesn't count and quite frankly there were there were a lot of things to be happy about I think coming out of that game. There was there was plenty of stuff to be not maybe not plenty of stuff, but there were some things to be a little worried about particularly when you look at them through the lens of where this team has been and what has been a problem for this team in the past. There were some things that continued to be a little bit problematic. For example, brain pre-snap penalties. A lot of that going on still. Uh, Granted, it's the first preseason game, so I mean, it's probably to be expected. But again, it's one of those things where in a vacuum... You go, it's the first preseason game, it's pre-snap penalties, whatever. But you just connect the dots to where this team was last year when they had the most pre-snap penalties of any team in the league, and it's just one of those things that makes you wince a little bit. You know, I'm not jumping off a cliff. I'm not saying Adam Gase's players lack discipline. But, you know, it's one of those things in the context of where this team has been, it's a little concerning. It is because... It has been a point of emphasis, and it's been something that has been talked about not just by the media, but by Adam Gase himself to the media as this is something that we're working on every day. This is something we've got to get cleaned up. This is something we've got to fix. And the first time you see them in actual game action, it doesn't look like it's getting fixed. So... It's concerning. Like you said, and I completely agree, in the first preseason game, these things always happen. You always, always, always see 
sloppy play in the first preseason game. There's jitters. There's, you know, guys learning to play with their teammates because you always have some roster turnover and there's going to be some starters that are playing next to guys that they they haven't played next to before. Missed assignments. You get that all the time. Yeah, and... There's not a whole. There's no game planning really for the first preseason game. It's basically just. No, they keep it simple. They they run like they run two or three different formations. They stay in the same basic sort of defensive looks the whole game. Offensively, it's there's no no tricks, no uh, nothing too terribly fancy. They're just running it pretty much straightforward, just to see where everybody's at. Right, and so there is typically a lot of sloppy play in the first preseason game, and that goes pretty much for any team around the league, especially teams that have some roster turnover. But it's hard to just separate that from what this team did last year in leading the league in pre-snap penalties and the fact that it has constantly been a topic of conversation by the coaching staff. And so if it's constantly brought up by the coaching staff, you know that they're working on it. And if it's not being fixed, it's a concern. It's not, look, like you said, you're not jumping off of a cliff. It's the first preseason game. You don't want to make more of it than you should, but it is still clearly a concern. And there was, uh, you know, there was there were other things to be concerned about. And granted, Cam Wake wasn't playing; he wasn't didn't suit up for this one. Um, but the defensive line that started defensive line looked questionable at best in that opening those opening couple drives for Tampa Bay. I thought that they were just going right up the gut, chunking away down the field. And granted, they had a very short field on the on the fir- on their opening drive because of the missed field goal uh by the dolphins but it was that was another thing that was a little concerning was why you you know you knew that one of the areas where you're you've got to be there's a lot of question marks for the Miami Dolphins right now is that the uh, the center of that defensive line and the center of that linebacking core and that was where the big holes were in defense at least in those first couple of possessions in this game so again it's early. You don't want to jump off the cliff yet. You don't want to be too concerned. But we knew that that was the biggest question mark that this team had defensively, or at least one of the biggest question marks that this team had defensively. And so to see Tampa Bay move the ball so easily in that way, in the way that they did it, you know, it's an early red flag, if you will. Yeah, I will say... Uh, Look, it wasn't an impressive performance by the first-team defense, but I will also say that the first-team defense won, again, without Cam Wake, and two, only really played, I think, the first series as a complete first-team defense, and they brought the second team in. Meanwhile, the Bucs left their first-team offense out there longer than a team would typically do in their first preseason game. The reason of that being that Jameis Winston being suspended for the first three games of the upcoming season, Ryan Fitzpatrick started the game, and then Winston came in, and they still wanted Winston to get some run with the first team. So when you saw... Especially when Winston came in, that first team Bucks offense really shred the Dolphins defense. That was against mainly second teamers. So it was really the Bucks first team offense against the Dolphins second team defense that really kind of shredded them. But the first team defense didn't necessarily look all that great either. And so it's concerning and it's concerning because you have the question marks. You have the question marks of the interior of that defensive line, and you have the question marks about who's going to be that opposite pass rusher, that pass rusher opposite Cam Wake that's going to be able to put pressure because Cam Wake didn't play in this game, and there was virtually no pressure from Charles Harris or Robert Quinn or really any other defensive end for that matter. And then Raquan McMillan really uh, did not make any impactful plays and, in fact, was caught out of position on a couple of plays. And so it wasn't a good debut for him. 
Um, but on the bright in side, in his defense, I will say I will say that Adam Gase said today, and this is Adam Gase's defense, but there's an immediate answer to this defense, which you're going to address, I think, in just a second. Gase said, "Well, look, it looked like it was the first first 14 plays of Raquan McMillan's NFL career. That's what it looked like." That's straight from okay. Adam Gase's mouth, I mean, which is okay, but go ahead and follow it up with the next thing you were going to say. Yeah, well, I, I understand their different positions, but Jerome Baker, uh, he was flying all over the place, and he was making an impact. Now, they're different roles. They're different positions. Raquan McMillan was drafted to be the middle linebacker that will be that run-stuffing, shoot-the-gap, sure-tackling middle linebacker. Um, Jerome Baker was brought in to be this fly sideline to sideline, be a dynamo in coverage and just make an impact as a playmaker flying around the field. And he looked good in his limited work in his debut. Uh, so yeah, you know, Maybe it's kind of a cop-out to say, oh, well, it looked like it was the first 14 plays of Raekwon McMillan's career. But I'll also say, as the middle linebacker of a defense, especially the starting middle linebacker of a defense, you have significantly more responsibility than uh, your your weak side help. Yeah, so I, I think... You know, that's one of those things where it's a little worrying, but I don't know that that's something that I'm ready to make any kind of make any kind of conclusions um, about Raekwon McMillan. Although it certainly wasn't a great debut, but it, we're we're certainly not in a place yet where we're ready to to make a decision on on how he's playing. I think he's got three more preseason games where he's going to see increasing amounts of time, and we'll we'll know soon enough whether or not he's able to adjust. You know, he's now that he's seen 14 snaps of actual football, granted preseason, that's going to inform some things, and it's it's going to allow him to become, uh, you would hope anyway, a, a smarter and better player, at least, uh, you know, for the near future. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, as far as other negatives, before we start really talking about the good stuff in this in this game, since I guess we just ended up starting on a negative note, um, I think the other thing that was sort of concerning in this game is that I did did Devontae Parker even play in this game? He did, but I don't believe he was targeted once, and he did not make an impact at all. He was basically invisible, uh, and it looked to me like he was being phased out because you saw designed quick hitting plays for Kenny Stills, Danny Amendola, and Albert Wilson. And you saw downhill throws, downfield throws to Jakeem Grant. Now, granted, Grant didn't really get into the game until after Parker had already been taken out. So you might see a little bit more of Parker. And I would suspect that we'll see some plays called to go Parker's way in the next preseason game. If we don't, I think that that speaks worlds about what the coaching staff thinks of their receiving depth chart and Devontae Parker's future on this team uh, because if if he's not part of the game plan after not even being targeted in the first preseason game and you go to the second preseason game and it's more of the same at that point you just gotta you gotta call a spade a spade the guy's being beaten out and he's not going to be a starter on this team and he honestly with the play of Jakeem Grant with the play of Isaiah Ford. Isaiah Ford, I thought, had a great game. And and even, you know, Owusu making a few plays that, that popped. I would say receivers on this depth chart that haven't made an impact, that have been kind of invisible, Leonte Carew, I think he's probably not going to make this team. And Devontae Parker... He might lose his starting job, and you know what? He might not make this team. It's early. I think that he probably will make the team. But at this point, I would not be shocked if Devontae Parker did not even make the team. Yeah, we don't want to write 
Devontae Parker's Miami Dolphins obituary just yet. But as we've said on the show, this is a make it or break a year for him. And by all accounts, he's having a a very lackluster camp. He's getting dominated by Xavier Howard, which granted that could be a very good thing for Xavier Howard. But then again, if Devontae Parker is going to be the guy that the Dolphins need him to be, he needs to be able to beat Xavier Howard, even if Xavier Howard is going to be a, end up being a shutdown corner in this league, you got to be able to at least make a play. But like what we're seeing is that he's being completely dominated. It, It seems that there's not a whole lot of effort. Passes to him are being broken up and he's having, he's just not the big physical receiver that the Dolphins need him to be. Again, it's early. We don't want to, we don't want to write his obituary yet, but at the moment, it's not looking good for Devontae Parker. It's it's definitely a bit concerning. Brain, did you have any other things that you saw in this game that sort of that that made you go, mm, that could be something to keep an eye on as far as, you know, in a negative light? Okay, only in a negative light? Only in a negative. We're gonna turn around, we're gonna talk about the good stuff coming up, but since we're on the negative topic, let's let's get the last of that out of the way, and then we'll move on to the positive stuff. I, and, and and I don't want you to talk about Brock Osweiler or David Fails. They both look terrible. They both look bad. From my eye test, watching that game, it looked like Bryce Petty was going to be the number two quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Granted, this is week one of preseason, so a lot can change. Um, and Petty also was playing against yes, yes, a lot Petty of guys was, that are not going to be playing for the Buccaneers this right. season. And the Bucs not even really a good defensive team and you're playing against their third and fourth string at that point when Bryce Petty came in right but fails and, and Osweiler played a lot of that a lot of this game against that unit those units as well and they look less than impressive that's fair uh I guess if there was one other shaky performance I thought it was Juwan James at right tackle uh had a bad holding penalty and also, no. got- Juwan James had a bad holding penalty. Yeah, a bad that's, holding. That's unheard penalty. of. And and a sack that he gave up. So in in very limited work, where I think he only was on there for maybe two or three series. Uh, you know, two really negative plays uh, where he was the culprit. Uh, so that doesn't bode well for him. And their backup at right tackle, I guess, Sam Young. I, I think Young might end up pushing him for the job. The other guy is uh, Eric Smith. He had a shaky performance. So uh, the good news there Deeply is on the other side. To me, Deeply concerning to me that there's a chance that Sam Young could be a starting offensive lineman for this team. I guess, but what would be more concerning if Sam Young was going to end up being the starter on the left side. Uh, you know, protecting Tannehill's blind side. I guess the good news is is that there was no real slip-ups on the left side of the line. In fact, the left side of the line actually looked like a strength with Tunsil and Sitton and Kilgore looked good at center. So by and large, I thought the, the first team offensive line played pretty well, but Juwan James was kind of the weak link and at tackle – that's concerning, especially it's a it's a big year for Juwan James, and there's a lot of decisions that need to be made at that position going forward at some point, either during this season or at the end of this season. And it was a, it was a shaky start for Juwan James. Yeah, and as far as uh, negatives go, a couple other things. I thought that, um, well, obviously Mike Hole injured his MCL in this game. At the time, it looked like it was going to be um, a season-ending kind of injury, but it sounds like now um, that it, it wasn't quite a season-ending injury. He's going to miss some significant time, but there is a shot that he's going to get back into action in the regular season. So one area where the Dolphins don't have a whole lot of depth anyway is at linebacker, and now Mike Hull is down for a significant amount of time. So that's obviously a big negative coming out of this game. And I also thought Jason Sanders, who by all accounts is the odds-on favorite to to be the starting place kicker for this Miami Dolphins team. He didn't look particularly stellar in this game either, but, you know, 
I see. There's one that I. I mean, he missed what the fifty-three yard missed field goal, right? Missed the fifty-three yard or missed it pretty bad. Did you watch the fifty-three yard field goal? That had the distance to be good. I mean, look, the accuracy, obviously, if it's terrific. Not going good. Yeah, the, c- congratulations! You can kick the, the ball sixty yards. Fantastic. Can you put it between the uprights? Well, he did make a field goal in this game, correct? Didn't he? Or just extra yeah, points? Yeah, he did. He, no, he he did make a field goal. Was so he was. So he was what, one for two? Let me pull up the numbers here. Hold on a second. I believe he was one for two, if not two for three, and his only miss was a 53-yarder where, I mean, the thing hit the net and hit the net high up on the uprights to where if that's straight, that's good from 65 yards. I mean, the leg on this guy was phenomenal. So I came away actually impressed with, with Sanders as a kicker. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. At any rate, that that was those are the negatives from this game. As far as the positives go, uh, listen, there is no whatever analysis that you hear about this this first preseason game. If the number one takeaway, as far as the positive, is that that Ryan Tannehill came out and he looked like the best quarterback that this organization has. He looked like he looked like a capable. NFL quarterback. He missed a couple of throws late in that first drive, but he was there. He moved around. He looked good. Um, And that is by far the biggest positive that you can take away from this game for the Miami Dolphins is that Ryan Tannehill looks like he's a quarterback that is there and at 100% and has that confidence. He's got the rust. He'll work that off over the next few weeks. And by week one, maybe he'll still be fighting a little bit of it, but you know, at that point, we're going to see who Ryan Tannehill is going to be this season. But the fact of the matter is, you've got a healthy Ryan Tannehill, and that makes the Dolphins a better team than they were at the end of last season. Yes, uh, if Tannehill is indeed uh, the player that he was before he got hurt, you know, for that nine-game stretch or whatever, and... He is a sizable upgrade over Jay Cutler. Um, What we saw in this game, again, look, it it was one series, so you can't really gleam too much off of it. There's also no game planning on either end from the Dolphins, you know, game planning against the Bucs defense, the Bucs defense game planning against the Dolphins offense. It's not, you know, it's not a chess match, so to speak, but he looked decisive early on and then and and he looked mobile and he looked healthy and that's the biggest takeaway but then also he looked at the end of the drive where the drive stalled he uh missed Amendola on a target where Amendola was open downfield which would have gotten them inside the 10 or the 15 and then he also was really late to go through his pro- progressions on a third down play, which ultimately ended uh, with them, you know, having to having to kick a field goal. So you could attribute that to Rust. You could attribute that to being Tannehill. Tannehill was healthy. That's the biggest takeaway. I don't know that he looked great or any different than the Ryan Tannehill that we were used to seeing. The, the big takeaway is that he was healthy. That's exactly right. That's the biggest thing, right? He's healthy. He's there. And, you know, he's got, listen, when you don't play a snap for almost two full years, you got, that's a considerable amount of rust that you have to, that you have to knock off. And, you know, the other good thing that we're hearing about Ryan Tannehill, the story that broke out, we're recording this on Sunday evening, was today he got real upset with Kalen Bellage at practice. And he, and he threw him out of the huddle because Bellage missed a block. He missed a block, and as a result, Charles, uh, Charles Harris sacked Tannehill in practice. And this got Tannehill fired up. He was so fired up, he threw Kalen Bellage out of the huddle and told him to go to the sideline. 
And uh, later, Gase defended him. He said, listen, this was the right thing for Tannehill to do. We can't be constantly throwing people out of the huddle. But in this instance, he was absolutely right to do it. you got to teach these young guys that they got to they gotta make their blocks. And I think that was positive in a lot of ways. It's positive because you'd love to see Tannehill getting fired up, right? That's exactly the kind of thing that we've sort of wanted to see from him is that fiery leadership, that leadership that you saw from Dan Marino. You always saw it from Dan Marino. He had that fire in his eyes. And, you know, that fire that you, I think you you would certainly saw that a little bit with Chad Pennington when he was leading this team for that short period of time. And I think you saw it a little bit with Jay Fiedler when he was a quarterback for the Dolphins. But, you know, it's something that has been missing from a lot of other quarterbacks in the post-Marino era. So it was really oh. exciting to hear that Tannehill's getting fired up and Tannehill's, so, Tannehill's fighting. He's, he's, listen. Are you, are you saying... That we need Ryan Tannehill to be a little bit more like Jay Fiedler. We need Ryan Tannehill to be a little bit more like Chad Pennington and a little bit more like Jay Fiedler. I don't need him to be Dan Marino, but if he could be a little more like those two guys, we're going to be okay. <laughs> well, if if he ends up being like Jay Fiedler, uh, I got news for you. We don't have a franchise quarterback. Yeah, but we'll win a playoff game. If we have a great defense. Just saying, just saying. And, and a great running game. Listen, <laughs> listen, if we get to the playoffs this year and we win a playoff game, I think we're all right with Jay, F- uh, with Jay Fiedler, with Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> <laughs> with Ryan Tannehill. Well, that says it all right there. It's a Freudian slip. Dolphins should have drafted themselves a quarterback because we've got Jay Fiedler. Oh, need more Dartmouth guys. Anyway. Tannehill's fired up. Tannehill's looking, you know, he's he was a big positive. Seeing him on the field, seeing him play football was a very good thing, I think, in this situation. Um, other positives in this game, I thought I thought the running game looked pretty good. I thought I thought, you know, quite frankly, and and this sort of is a combo thing, I thought all the running backs that played for the Dolphins in this game looked good, and that so that's good for them. I thought, in particular, Sonoris Perry and Kalen Bellage looked looked better than I would have expected necessarily for them to look. But I think what that translates to is that the offensive line played pretty well in this football game, particularly that first unit um, offensive line looked pretty good. Granted, not a lot, not a large sample size, but the running game, the offensive line, those are a couple positives. I thought that the offensive line played well, and I thought the running backs ran with authority. And it looked like they've got the running backs that that Adam Gase likes. You got those versatile guys that can that they they'll hit the hole hard, and also they can catch the ball out of the backfield. I thought Kalen Balage looked good. You got to be concerned about the fumble. Uh, he's got to learn. It was a particularly bad one. It was a particularly egregious fumble, leaping over a tackler and then just losing the ball. But on a positive side, the next time he carried the ball, you saw him making the effort to make sure he was not losing control of that football because of himself again. Right. And so what you're seeing with Kalen Balazs is you see talent and you see him going through the, the typical rookie growing pains, which is, you know, ball protection, ball security, and blocking assignments. And that we said that on last week's show when when you asked me about, uh, you know, is it a two-headed monster at running back? And I said, well, I could see a world where Kalen Balaj ends up actually overtaking Frank Gore, where he's not even just, you know, a guy that gets a few touches a game, but actually ends up being the number two running back on this team. But the only way that he gets that is if he learns how to block uh, and learns how to pick up his assignments in the passing game and also can uh, be trusted with the ball in big time situations to not fumble. You know, this is just a thing that a lot of rookies have to learn the hard way. And Look, it, this was his first NFL action in the preseason. So one thing I like is that there are a lot of coaches in this league that are really stubborn and really old school. And, you know, if a guy that they don't trust, that is a young guy, comes in and he fumbles, he's immediately in the doghouse. 
And it doesn't matter how much talent or upside that guy has. It takes forever for him to even scratch the surface. And it can it could actually be a hindrance to the team because you're not letting a guy who ends up being one of the more talented guys on the roster help your team because you are so over-punishing him for a mistake that a lot of rookies make. And so I thought it was a good thing that you know he fumbled. It was a bad fumble, but their very next play when they got the ball back was a handoff to Kalen Balaj. And I believe it was a no gain or, you know, you know, maybe he gained a yard or something, but he didn't fumble. And it showed that Adam Gay said, look, these things happen. You need to correct them. He's not taking it lightly, but he's also not saying you're, you're like now buried on the depth chart. So I thought that Kalen Balaj by and large look good once you take away the fumble. But I thought Sonoris Perry for the second preseason in a row has really come out of the gates just on fire. And the guy looks like, to me, this guy needs to be getting some run. Because we saw it last year in the preseason, and he didn't really get beat out because of anything that he did wrong last preseason he just kind of you know they they had a Jai you got to that third preseason game and you wanted to feature a Jai you also wanted to see what you had in Drake and you know Perry just kind of got lost in the shuffle you also had Damian Williams there who you knew was going to be playing a big role so so Perry was just kind of buried on on the depth chart but but now you've really got Kenyon Drake who's going to be the starter You've got Frank Gore, but you know Frank Gore, you know who he is. He doesn't need a ton of reps in the preseason. So I would really like to see in the second preseason game, I'd like to see Sonoris Perry get some run with that first team because I think even though they, look, they they used a draft pick, a fourth-round pick on Balazs, and I think that tells you that Balazs has the inside track as far as being that number three running back behind Drake and Gore, but Sonoris Perry deserves based on what he's done on the field. Now last preseason and now in the first preseason game this, this year to be in that conversation. And I think that all four running backs, uh, I think there's a very good chance and uh, that uh, all four running backs are going to make this team. And I also thought buddy Howell looked really good you know, in the in the second half of the game, uh, when he came in, I just think it's going to be very difficult for Buddy Howell to climb the depth chart and to make this team unless there is a significant injury to one of those guys ahead of him or somebody or one of those guys ahead of him just really drops the ball, whether that's literally or figuratively. Yeah, I think that's really good. What, what we're going to see with Balage and with Sonoris Perry, what sort of remains to be seen is how well these guys can do in pass protection um, situations. And, and, and can, they, can they make their blocks when they need to? Um, obviously, Balage learned that lesson the hard way in practice today. Um, if that's something that Perry can do as well, that's going to be something that is advantageous to him going forward, but it, it seems like just from a pure runner standpoint, um, the Dolphins have to be sort of happy about where their where their running back situation is at the moment. Um, I guess the next question that I really got for you, Brain, is what did you think of Mike Gesicki in this game? He wasn't, you know, he really, I think he was only targeted the one pass that fails through to him that was an awful pass, and Gesicki still almost made the play. Um, but he did a lot of other things. I thought in this game that I think bode well for him as an NFL tight end. Look, he, I mean, he, he did what he's supposed to do, particularly on that play, which was he beat his, his man. He beat his man, and if the throw was on the money, it's likely a touchdown. And the throw was way high. And it was still almost a touchdown because he almost made a ridiculous catch, a ridiculous one-handed catch. The guy is a freak athletically at the tight end position. And if if the if the play is called right, if the quarterback gets him the ball, 
Mike Gusecki is a huge upside tight end, and I thought he looked great, and he looked better than I thought he would look blocking. So, look, he didn't put any numbers. He didn't have any receptions, but he did look the part of being a stud tight end. So, look, the numbers weren't there, so you don't want to blow it out of proportion. Even if the numbers were there, it would be one preseason game. But the eye test, he beat his man, you saw his athleticism, and you saw him get a target in the end zone on what would have been, what, like a 25 or 30-yard touchdown. I'm a big believer in Gasecki's ability. I think he has the potential to be a stud uh, if the quarterback can get him the ball. Absolutely. I am I am absolutely all in. I am I am running for president of the Gasicki committee. I love it. I love it. I'm 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 a big fan of this guy. I'm loving what I'm seeing. It's early, I know, but this is one of the, he's one of the guys on this team that is that is getting me real fired up. I'm 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 pretty excited about Gasicki. Um other positives for you in this first preseason game, Brain. Uh other things um, that you thought that you thought look good. I thought Albert Wilson had an had an impressive yeah, debut yeah. in, in a that. Dolphins jersey. I, I thought he looked good. Uh, Isaiah Ford as a backup, I thought he was constantly getting open. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I can see what they like in Minka Fitzpatrick. I do think that the the commentators and some of the reporters are kind of going out of their way to to pour praise on well listen i'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt you for a second did yeah i know you live in tampa now did you get the dolphins broadcast of this game well what i did was is i recorded the the nfl network replay and oh, what and they was showed the was one. was it was bob greasy and nat moore and Kimbo camper and dick and, stockton uh, it dick stockton, dick stockton is yeah. the worst the worst that has to be among the worst play-by-play guys I've ever heard calling an NFL game. He is so bad. And that team of 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 Stockton, Nat Moore, and Bob Greasy, it's just like it's the friggin' three stooges in the bed. They're I, I don't very know how bad, bad. Honestly, I don't know how bad Dick Stockton is. It's just He's not good. Think, He's not good. He's making a lot of mistakes. He doesn't know who guys are. He uh Mike Hull had been down on the ground for 45 seconds and other people had positively identified him before Dick Stockton finally said, I, I think it's, uh, it's, I think that it, what appears to be on preliminarily, it looks like that's Mike Hull down there, but uh, we'll I confirm do believe, that. Yeah. I believe Nat Morris, it looks like Mike Hull is injured and then 10 seconds went by and then Stockton said, well, it looks like there's a dolphin injured. And we'll look into it, but it looks like it's my call. <laughs> it yeah, was, it it's was bad. It it's was a bad, bad situation. And and listen, this these Dolphins look, broadcast it's the preseason teams, for everybody. Yes, it's the preseason for everybody. But Dick Stockton Stockton has stunk on Miami Dolphins preseason games for four years or whatever it is. He's terrible. Yeah. And and yeah, quite he, frankly, ever since ever since Jim Mandich passed away, the radio broadcasts haven't been much better. So it's like. You know what? It's it's like you're kind of like if you want to listen to a good announcer, you kind of just need to. I wish there was a way that you could mute the commentary altogether and just do it with the stadium sound. It's one of my favorite things. If if you uh, if you're an ML, if you listen watch Major League Baseball, you have MLB.tv. One of the options they give you when you watch the game is you can mute all commentary and you just get natural sound from the ballpark. And you can watch the game like that, and you don't have these. I'm gonna try and you know to not be profane here. You don't have these morons in your ears all the time with their terrible commentary. Anyway, I'm sorry I digress. But anyway, this was a, a huge negative for me. I thought we were done with the negatives, but anyway, I yes, I thought Minka Fitzpatrick maybe got a little bit more praise than he maybe necessarily deserved. He certainly has athleticism. He certainly has the abyss, the ability. To, to close on guys, but, you know, I think we may the be... The two plays where he got a lot of praise were the back-to-back plays uh, 
you know, I, I believe it was in the first quarter, might have been early second quarter, where the one was a deep play where the receiver got behind him and the ball should have been caught, even though it was a little bit overthrown. But one, if it's a good throw, it's like a 30 or 40 yard gain. And if it's a good catch, I mean, if the receiver does his job, it's a 30 to 40 yard gain. Fitzpatrick got there late, but got there just enough in enough time to kind of disrupt the receiver on his way down and the guy ends up dropping the ball. Fine. He gets a pass defense and you could see, okay, he's got the range where maybe he's got more range. Well, not maybe he's got more range than a Rashad Jones and a TJ McDonald because those two guys Honestly, Rashad Jones has been playing free safety for this team now for a couple of years, but he was really drafted to be a strong safety. And then TJ McDonald is strictly a strong safety that's basically like a second linebacker kind of in the Cam Chancellor mold. So, you know, you see what they like in Fitzpatrick in that role is that he gives them that safety that can roam and can cover sideline to sideline in a way that those guys cannot. But, I mean, he was late on that play. And if the guy makes the catch, we're not talking about what a great job Minka Fitzpatrick did. We're talking about how he got beat. And then the the very next play, he comes up to to lay the hit on the guy, but the guy had already dropped the ball. Now, you could say, well, the guy dropped the ball because he heard Minka Fitzpatrick coming. Okay, fine. But it's not like Minka Fitzpatrick caused the drop. It was a drop. The ball was already out, and then Fitzpatrick hit him. The only good thing that I would say about Fitzpatrick, other than the fact that he's got range, and I that's great, is that you know he made these two hits, and they were very clean. They were very disciplined hits. There was nothing dirty and nothing that's going to get you penalized. So he, you know, he came up, he did what he was supposed to do. But I, I, I think people heaping praise on like, oh, look at this guy. This is guy's going to be another Ed Reed, or he's going to be Sean Taylor. I mean, whoa. Pump the brakes a little bit. The guy, uh, there was nothing overly impressive about what he did in this game, but he was fine. Yeah, he was fine. Uh, let's see. I, I think we've pretty much covered everything um, in this game, you know, as far as like the, the positive takeaways and the negative takeaways that we have. Um, you know, there were certainly other little things here and there, but you know, nothing I think remarkable enough for us to comment on. So we'll see what happens in the next game we've got coming up uh, this week against Carolina. But we had some comments from uh, some of our listeners and I want to share um, a, a couple of them from Twitter. So this is from at more for me. That's M O O R E like Matt Moore, more for me with three E's. So it's like me, like almost Michigan. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to the, to the mad dog. But, um, you know, I, I, I had said something about the middle of the defense being a concern. And, and he responded, it is a concern, but he believes it lies much more on Burke than the talent on the field. Now, how do you feel about that? How much of that are you willing to put on Burke's shoulders? Um, 50-50? Okay. I mean, I'm not sold on on Matt Burke as the defensive coordinator. Um, I think you've had uh, you had a defensive line that had two Pro Bowl caliber players on it. Um, you've got a Pro Bowl caliber safety, and the defense was very unremarkable last year. But that's not to say that you know, the rest of the defense was, you know, overwhelming, you know, overflowing with talent, but I haven't been overly impressed with Matt Burke, but as far as the, the middle of the defense, uh, look again, we're not, you're not game planning for game one of the preseason. So it's hard to really get on any, it's hard to say the coaches were the reason why, the the defensive line was being pushed around or the middle linebacker was in the wrong spot. Uh, I I think when it comes to McMillan, you're talking about a rookie that's kind of learning how to play the position at the NFL level. Um, there are growing pains, but we also, we don't know how good he is. We literally, we just don't know. And as far as 
on the interior of the defensive line, um, we know that they're trying to replace Indomitian Sue. They're not the guys that they are replacing him with are not as good as Indomitian Sue. Uh, you know, Jordan Phillips is a guy that has been a very up and down in the first few years of his career. Has had some some nice plays, and then has had some times where he seems very unremarkable. And then Vincent Taylor is a young guy who kind of had some flashes last year, but is now being asked to go from a role where he was a part-time guy playing maybe 20, 25 snaps to now being the starting defensive tackle on this team. And he's got a lot of proving to do. And in his first performance, uh, you know, he, you know, he was okay. Uh, and Phillips was okay. I thought the guy that really got pushed around more than anything, they're going with basically a four man defensive tackle rotation with Phillips, Taylor, Godshall, and Spence. I thought Spence kind of got pushed around a lot. And I, the thing is, is that none of the other guys really stepped up and made any big plays and it really flashed on the screen. And I think that's the problem is that what you've got now at defensive tackle is you've lost Ndamukong Sue and you've got four guys that you are hoping will just be serviceable. And if they're serviceable, that's fine. Uh, and that that's kind of just where they are. And I don't think that that's Matt Burke's fault. I think that that's just, you know, one of the downsides of this team. Um, the other thing where you might say that, that it's Burke's fault is that, look, what Matt Burke, this defense that is installed is mostly a cover two defense and it's mostly a cover two defense. That's going to rush four, and is not going to blitz very much. It's going to play a lot of coverage and it's going to be, uh, very much on the defensive line to get pressure and especially pressure from the outside. And it's a defense that is made to be playing with a lead because, you want your defensive ends to pin their ears back and not have to worry about about staying at home to to stop the run. You're trying to make the opposing the opposing team one dimensional. Get them in passing downs, passing situations, so your ends can pin their ears back, so you can play your coverage and you can make mistakes. You can force mistakes. I don't know that that defense is going to work for a team that offensively, I don't think has enough talent to be, you know, getting two touchdown leads on everybody. I think, I think, you know, stylistically, they're probably flawed in that regard. And also stylistically, when you talk about that cover two defense, where is the soft spot of that defense? Well, unfortunately it's giving up runs up the middle. Uh, think about, uh, Tony Dungy. You know, the guru of, of cover two. Think about his teams in Tampa and then think about his teams in Indianapolis. The way that those teams were always attacked, the, where those teams were always at their best is when they had big leads and they got the other team in that position where they knew the opposing team was going to pass and they forced turnovers. But when they went up against teams that had good defense and good running games, they had a lot of trouble. And I think that that's going to be a spot because of strategically the way that the, the game plan is going to be and the way that they're, they're going to play defensively. And also because frankly, these defensive tackles just aren't that good and you don't know what you've got at middle linebacker. I think it's going to be a problem all year long, but it's a long story short. I think it's 50, 50, the talent isn't there. And I don't think the coaching is helping. Fair enough. Uh, we got a we got a statement from at Golski, one of my one of my favorite uh, Twitter screen names at uh, at Golski with two eyes at the end. So I'm sensing a theme with our our listeners having multiple vowels at the ends of their names. But uh, Golski says there were a lot of positives to take from this game, and he was pretty happy. At this stage, his only concerns were backup QB. Hopefully it won't matter, and the ease with which Tampa Bay moved the ball down the field. We sort of talked about Tampa Bay moving down the field, and as far as backup quarterback, I mean, really, the I think the only thing to say is if it gets to be a situation where Ryan Tannehill is not the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins for an extended period of time this season, I mean, the Dolphins have clearly gone all in on Tannehill. If he gets hurt, they're going down with that ship. 
So I really don't know that it it matters a whole lot who the backup quarterback is on this team um, because I feel like, you know, I feel like if we get it to a situation where it's David Fales, Brock Osweiler, or Bryce Petty trying to run this offense, um, you know, the Dolphins made their bed when they decided not to draft a QB. And I think at this point, if Tannehill goes out, I mean, that's pretty much any hope for – what the Dolphins have planned for this season. I mean, if there's any thoughts of making the playoffs or or making a, you know, a serious run at anything this year, I think as soon as Tannehill goes down, that's going out the window. I agree. Uh, I don't think that any of those guys are, you know, have even the potential of being franchise guys. I guess if there's one of them, maybe Bryce Petty, um, because he's got, a little bit of the pedigree and hasn't necessarily had a lot of opportunity. Um, I guess, you know, maybe if he shows enough in this preseason to be the number two quarterback on this roster, then maybe he's got some, but from what we've seen from him, I mean, I'd be, I'd be shocked if he, you know, if Tannehill got hurt and he ended up stepping up, I'd be shocked if he was anything more than serviceable. I think if you got serviceable out of Bryce Petty, you'd be very happy. Um, but I, I don't think any of those guys have the potential of being a franchise guy. So it really doesn't matter. Um, I guess I, I guess it kind of matters who the backup is just because if you get into a situation where similar to a couple of years ago, Tannehill gets hurt and you need a backup to come in for a few games to, you know, to, to keep the ship afloat, so to speak. Uh, it does matter who the backup is. Um, I just don't think any of these guys are going to be, are going to be world beaters. And I don't know that any of them are appreciably better than, than, you know, I don't know right now you and I agree that Bryce Petty's probably the number two quarterback on the team, but is he appreciably better than David fails? Is he appreciably better than Brock Osweiler? Would it shock you if in the game, if, if in preseason game number two, you know, Bryce Petty looked the worst of the three and Brock Osweiler looked the best of the three. It wouldn't shock me. No, no, not at all. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm saying, I just, I really think that if we, if the Dolphins find themselves in a situation where there's, where there's any kind of long-term absence of Ryan Tannehill, you know, I don't know that there's a whole lot of hope with anybody in the organization. You know, I think they've got these guys that'll be a body on the field, somebody to run the offense. But I don't know that there's a whole lot of faith that any that any one of these three guys is going to be capable of 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 leading to leading this team to any kind of serious run in the uh, in, in the postseason. Couple other comments from Twitter, and then uh, we'll go to over the Facebook page. Which, by the way, we have we have a Facebook page now. That's new. I got, I got inspired this week. I said, like, what we, you know what we need? We need a Facebook page. So now we have a same old Dolphins Facebook page. So go ahead and go to Facebook and do a search for the same old Dolphin show, and you can find us and like us over there. We've got questions and articles that we're posting over there to try to keep up the Dolphins conversation. For those of you that maybe aren't on the Twitter machine, probably on the Facebook machine, so you can like us over there on our Facebook page. But this couple more on Twitter. Uh, first from at Noah's a dork, another another name that I that I love. Uh, he said he's not too concerned about anything and not happy about anything. It's a pointless preseason game. However, it was cool to see a glimpse of a real up tempo offense on the first drive. And I'll agree with that. I thought, you know, that's one thing that we've, you know, we've sort of seen in Tannehill's career and and we've wondered why it was not utilized more is Tannehill running that up-tempo offense because he's we've seen that this offense can be very effective when they when they move up tempo and it and it's not quite so deliberate. It looks better. And I think we saw a little bit of that in that opening drive with Ryan Tannehill moving the moving the ball down the field before it stalled and he missed those couple of receivers, but I, you know, I, I would agree with that point that Noah makes there. It's um, it was nice to kind of see the Dolphins moving the ball and and running the offense with a little bit of uh, with a little bit of oomph, with a little bit of uh, fire like lit underneath them, like they had something to do. You know, they it was they were moving. Yeah, well, I, I thought you could you you could look back at last year's preseason and you could you could find the same thing which was the offense kind of looked good you had oh Jay Cutler's got this great rapport with Devontae Parker and the offense looks good um 
the biggest takeaway offensively, I mean, and, and look, I hate to be the dead horse. It's the, Tannehill's healthy. That that's the biggest thing, and that the the offensive line, at least the left side of the offensive line, looks strong. The running backs showed some promise, and you you got some new receivers that look pretty good, and you got some some other receivers that didn't necessarily do much. You can't over. I mean, you can't uh, exaggerate any of that. You can't jump to any conclusions off of it. It just kind of is what it is. But and then on the same token, you got to look at the defense and say. Hey, Tampa Bay's first team offense came in and they ran and they went right down the field and they finished their drives and they scored. So, you know, what does that say? You know, Tampa Bay's offense looked better than Miami's offense. Tampa Bay's defense looked better than Miami's defense. And look, Tampa Bay was five and 11 last year. So, look, I'm not. Yeah, you're, you're right. The you can't, can't. I'm, just, I'm just saying you, you could be excited about some things. There were some things that looked good. There were some things that looked bad. You just you got to leave it as, as that at that. There were some things that looked good. You address them. You keep an eye on them. There were some things that looked bad. You address them. You keep an eye on them. And then you see where you go from there. But his main point, I agree with, which was. I wasn't crazy about anything. I wasn't overly concerned about anything. It was a pointless preseason game. Yes, that is what preseason game one is all about. Absolutely. And then our last comment on Twitter comes from UC Funke. I think it's U-C-F-U-N-K-E. And you'll have to you have to tell me how to pronounce it correctly so that I that I don't butcher it in the future. U C F U N K E. That the old uh, the the rowdy night that we went to school with. Mm, I don't. Th- maybe. I don't think so. I don't. If you are and you know who you are, because we we got your Twitter handle out there and you're tell listening. Us. Confirm. Confirm if you're or a deny. rowdy knight from the from the University of Central Florida, which clearly you're from the University of Central Florida, but holler at us, let us know. Confirm that to us in our in our mentions. Were but, you a rowdy knight in 2003? What a wow! Were you were you one of the hard in one of the hardcore fan groups of UCF basketball in 2003? Uh, Do you know who Kirk Spira is? Listen, Kirk Spira. Look, this is the glory days of UCF basketball. Kirk Spira. Anyway, before we get down that into that rabbit hole, um, what he said was he said uh, he said the D line is bad, like any sane person knew it would be. I don't know that I'm ready to jump to that conclusion just yet. Um, And then he says that the D line is so bad it makes it difficult to judge the linebackers. I think this might be, I think this might be reading a little bit too much into that into those. First couple of drives. I mean, certainly it was concerning. I just don't know that I'm ready to to say that it's that bad yet. And and you've sort of hinted at that as well, Brain, that you're not ready to to jump to that conclusion yet. Although I think, well, I don't think it's good. It's certainly not good. It's certainly not good. <laughs> I, at least I don't at least on the evidence good. that we have so far, it's certainly not good. But I mean, I don't know that I'm ready to say that it's so bad that. Uh, I don't know that it's so that I'm ready to say that it's so bad that it's difficult to judge our linebackers. I'll agree more than I'll disagree. I'll say that. All right, fair enough. And then uh, I'm headed over to the Facebook page and pulling it up right now where um, let's see. Oh, our buddy Lasner. Yeah, where did it go? Where did he put it? Well, I know what the I know what the question go was. Go ahead. Why don't you do why don't you tell us what he asked? Lasner Lasner of Lasner Sport, a good buddy of ours. Uh, he asked, "What is Ryan Tannehill's ceiling?" Um, and you know, we kind of we we talked a little bit about this last week about what we didn't necessarily say his ceiling. We just kind of threw some numbers out there. What do we want Tannehill to be? And I think what I kind of wanted him to be was, you know, somewhere in that you know, 24, 25 touchdowns and then keep the, keep the intercession, the interceptions in the single digits. So the two quarterbacks that kind of come to my mind when I think of Ryan Tannehill and Ryan Tannehill's ceiling, I think of two quarterbacks that over the last few years have had seasons where they weren't spectacular, but they were good game managers and they got their teams to a certain point where their teams were viable 
Super Bowl contenders. One of them, Alex Smith. Uh, and we've seen it out of Alex Smith now for a few years with Kansas City. And I mean, he's getting a little bit older now. But last year, Alex Smith had probably his best season of his career. And he was at uh, 67.5% completion percentage, over 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and five interceptions. That's a, it's a pretty darn good season. It's not an elite season. But it is a great game manager type of season. It's not the 35, 40 touchdowns that you'll see, you know, year in, year out from your Tom Brady's and your your Aaron Rodgers and your Drew Breeses. It's not that huge upside that you that you saw a couple of years ago from a guy like Cam Newton or that you would see back in the day from a from a Peyton Manning. Ryan Tannehill's never going to be that guy the same way Alex Smith was never that guy. But that's a great season. And the other season that comes to my mind was the season that Andy Dalton had, uh, you know, both in 2015 and 2016. In 2015, Andy Dalton started 13 games, had 25 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And in 2016, a little bit, a little bit down, 18 and eight. But, you know, those kind of seasons where you're not talking mind-blowing numbers, but what you're talking about is limiting mistakes and maximizing what you've got, you know, at your disposal. I think probably somewhere in between those seasons is kind of where I would want to see Ryan Tannehill. So I would say his ceiling is probably pretty close to what, Alex Smith put out last year, which was 26 touchdowns, five interceptions, 67 and a half percent over 4,000 yards. Uh, he was at eight yards per attempt, which, uh, was, which tied a career high for, for, uh, for Alex Smith last year. And his quarterback rating was actually 104.7, which was, uh, which was also a career high for Alex Smith. So I think that's your ceiling and, you know, you could win with that. You could absolutely win with that. But if you're going to win with that, you need to know that you need to have a great running game. And you need to have, and even more important than the great running game is you've got to have a great defense. Uh, and that Cincinnati team that Dalton was on, they had a great defense. But the one year that he was really at his best, he got hurt going into the playoffs. And and ended up not playing in the postseason, so you really didn't get a judge a fair judgment on that team if it was really a Super Bowl contender or not because they didn't have Andy Dalton and Alex Smith. Um, last year, Kansas City's defense really took a huge step back. So even though Alex Smith and the Kansas City offense took a big step up, the defense was was actually below average. Um, you're not gonna win. Even with a court, those are great numbers. Those are not, I mean, those are easily top 10 quarterback numbers in the league, but you're not going to win even with a top 10 quarterback like that, unless you also play great defense, unless you get the only other guy that I could think of to compare would be the one magical season of Joe Flacco, where Joe Flacco was not even that great, but just went on, well, I guess Eli Manning had a couple of years of it too, where these guys were not that great, but they had it in them to have like a three or four game stretch where they were great. And those teams also, their defense rose to the occasion in the postseason. So it's not to say that you can't win with Ryan Tannehill. I think the ceiling is there that he's a quarterback that you can win with. He's just never going to be a quarterback that's going to carry you to the promised land. And with that, I think we're going to probably wrap up this episode of the same old Dolphins show. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week after the game against Carolina. We'll talk about it and reflect on how things go in that game and all of the updates um, as far as where the Dolphins are in position battles. There will probably be some cuts that, we, that we'll have to report on by the next time we record. Um, 
And we'll see. Things may be shifting around. It sounds like there's some things happening in the secondary. Uh, it sounds like Cordrea Tankersley is not really the answer for this team back there. Um, it sounds like uh, Tony Lippett is sort of falling out of favor out there as well. There's uh, The team is bringing in Bashad Breland, formerly of the Redskins, um, to talk about sort of adding him to the lineup. So we'll see. There's still a lot of moving pieces. It's still the preseason Still, uh, you know, things are, are shifting and moving and changing all the time as far as depth charts and position battles. So a lot to keep your eye on, and we're going to absolutely do that, and we'll be back to talk about it next week here on the same old Dolphin Show. In the meantime, Brain, tell the people where they can find you. Can find me on Twitter, at Aaron the Brain. You actually tweeted today a couple of times in succession. Yes, uh, I wouldn't I will, call it a tweet it. storm, but you you did send a couple of tweets last week. I tweeted once. This week, I tweeted twice. Unbelievable! Look at you. This is unbelievable. Um, Exponential growth, right there. But seriously, you you've in, you've increased your production by a hundred percent. Amazing. Um, you can of course find me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock, and if you want to follow the show on Twitter at same old dolphins. And of course, we have the Facebook page, as I mentioned before. So you can go to facebook.com and do a search for the same old dolphin show and like our Facebook page. We'd really appreciate it if you did that and join the conversation. Speaking of things that we would appreciate, if you went to Apple Podcasts and left us a five-star review and a five-star rating and a, and a really nice review, we'd really appreciate that. It'll help other Dolphin fans find us and engage and, and keep the conversation going and growing here on the Same Old Dolphin Show. So we'd certainly appreciate that. You can also like us uh, and follow us on SoundCloud, and you can also... Uh, Subscribe to the show directly through RSS. If you haven't done that yet, we, we tweet out the link um, to follow us in RSS. It's also, I believe, in our profile on Twitter. So you can get that there as well. So that's going to wrap us up for this week. We'll see you next week after the game against Carolina. For now, take care of yourselves. Don't do anything that I wouldn't do. I don't know what that means. But then again, I've had a couple of drinks this evening. So... Take everything that I say with a grain of salt. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye, everyone. Go Dolphins!